0: and i specifically remember there was one time after gym class (laughs) that dara came up to me and was like we met this girl rihanna like she's so cool and like we're in gym class like we get along blah 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 and she started telling us about this thing called ecstasy (laughs) and like stop talking All the shit that people are thinking but not saying. I'm not even like drunk, I've just been like drinking. Does my podcast offend you? Men, if you're listening, I apologize in advance. Women, hey bitches, are you ready? Are you still talking? Girl, stop talking. What's up? We're fucking back. It's another Monday on Girl Stop Talking. Today, I have one of my best friends, 11 years, sister, no, wait, whoa, 14 years. Yeah, girl. (laughs) Sister from another mister. Um, My friend Rhiannon is here. Say hi to the people, Riri. Hey. (laughs) Okay, so we literally have no plan for today's episode. We really just wanted to have, like... Uh, real live, like girl to girl conversation, girl chat about whatever the fuck we end up getting into. So, um, like I said, me and Ree, we've been friends for like 14 years. We're gonna give you a little background info on all of that when we, like, before we get into today's episode. So, normally, Rhiannon, when I have people on the show, I always do with them, like, a, a how we met. Um, I feel like I'm always meeting people in like the most ridiculous ways and there's some sort of story. So in your perspective, from your own words, how did we meet all the way back when?
1: Well, I would say we definitely got to nail it down to gym time during freshman year of high school. Yes. And I remember there was me, Dara, and Emma were in the same class, and you were the only one not in our PE class.
0: I never had electives with them ever, and we were, like, best friends when we went to high school. I was always that odd man out, and they always had classes together. It was never me.
1: Yeah, I had a couple classes with... Dara and Emma, but I also had classes with you, so maybe that's also kind of why we mingled a little bit more. Well, I
0: think that was later on, though, because we had culinary together, but that was, like, sophomore year, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, Yeah. that was sophomore year. So, we
0: met in freshman year in... Through other mutual friends because you had gym with them. Okay, so tell me in your words, how did all of this, like, conspire? Like, how did you begin to be friends with them? And, like, what was the transition to, like, becoming my friend?
1: Yeah, I would say it. I remember because we all had last period gym class, which was always the crappiest because... I remember you'd get all sweaty in gym class, change into your clothes, and then you'd go to, like, whatever after-school shenanigans you had going on. Mm-hmm. And I remember that me, Emma, and Dara clicked pretty well. Um, I feel like we vibed very well. And we started hanging out, doing like the after school smokers corner together. Oh and my then God, you iconic. Came. Yeah, you <laughs> came in part of that. And then I remember it escalated from like the smokers corner to the park behind the
0: school. Buffalo. And then eventually, yeah, buff, wow. Buff, I totally yeah. forgot about that. I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> Dude, okay, side note really quick. Emma reached out to me on Instagram and said that they're planning our high school reunion. And Carly Rose was like, we should all meet at Buff. <laughs> I I'm not gonna lie, I applied
1: and like put all of my contact information for all of like the high school reunion, like literally last weekend because I was like, there's no way I'm gonna miss this.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's so funny. So anyway, so Buff Buff was like this park behind our school that like once we got kicked out of what we called the smoker's corner because people we'd literally meet there every day. People would be smoking like cigarettes, weed, hanging out for like an hour after school. It was like the spot for like the degenerates of the high school. Yeah,
1: and we're like what 14. 14, yeah. maybe 15 years old at
0: this time. Yeah, we literally got kicked out and then we moved the party to the back of the school which was the like regular recreational park and that was what we called the buff.
1: Yeah. And then eventually it went from there to we all started hanging out at the community center on Grovers. Oh my
0: god, so ghetto. And
1: I think that is where most of like the bonding and our I think most of our, you know, friendship started to form with all of the stuff that we started doing, whether it be, you know, the variety of extracurriculars (laughs) we took advantage of.
0: Wait, I love, this is so funny. This is why I like to like have other people tell the story to see like their perspective before I just like unravel the tea. So you're being like so modest with this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I'm okay with sharing because it was something that happened so long ago, but this is, so this is my side of the story. So this is how I remember (laughs) you were friends with Dara and Emma in the PE class. And I, they were like my besties in high school and we hung out like the three musketeers. And I specifically remember there was one time after gym class (laughs) that Dara came up to me and was like, we met this girl, Rhiannon, like she's so cool. And like, we're in gym class, like we get along, blah, blah, blah. And she started telling us about this thing called ecstasy. (laughs) (laughs) And like, she was like explaining, like, it's like this feel good thing. And just like, it feels so amazing. And you just want to like talk to people and run around and have this like euphoric experience. And she was like, I really want to do it. And I was like, that sounds like so. So much fun And so I'm like, I like, I'm down. Like, let's do it. How are we going to make this happen? And then like, fast forward, it was like 10 days later, like two weeks later. (laughs) And we were planning this whole plan on like how we could do ecstasy for the first time with this, with Rhiannon. I hardly knew you at that time, (laughs) but Dara and Emma knew you. Uh, Emma's parents were strict as fuck. So like they, she couldn't come at all, but we like made this whole plan. We told my dad we were sleeping at your house and like that's exactly what we did right we're like we're gonna go hang out at her house and I so specifically remember literally walking (laughs) down the street (laughs) of Union Hills and 7th Street headed to the community center with a a pill of ecstasy in my hand and everybody there was like seven of us like was popping the ecstasy it was like midday it wasn't even like nighttime yet it was probably like before Probably like 3 p.m. because we got it at 2:30. It was school. like yeah, it was like no. It had to have been a little later, like before evening. I feel like
1: so maybe like 4 p.m. like rush hour traffic. Yeah, and, and uh,
0: we I, I would just remember like everybody popped their pill, and I was like I don't know, like I'm nervous. And Rihanna looked at me and she's <laughs> like, she's like seriously, it's fine. It's gonna be so fun. You're gonna have a blast. Just take it here. Just, just put, put, it put it in your mouth. <laughs> my famous line <laughs> just put it
1: in your mouth it's gonna be okay
0: <laughs> everything will be fine just just put it down your throat so literally pop this ecstasy pill and then there was like 15 of us rolling in a park <laughs> for the next like 10
1: hours <laughs> the big one Well, will remember carly was like running around and all of a sudden she like looks back
0: and she's like <gasps> I just puked, yeah. and starts running again. <laughs> it was no big deal. So we quite <sighs> literally bonded over doing drugs together for the first time. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so that was just the whole little backstory of how we met. We basically went into a whole cycle of crazy experiences after that. Um, but you know, we wanted, we, I wanted to bring her on just to have a best friend friendly conversation. So here we are. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's funny because like earlier we were talking about so much stuff that happened as we were like growing up because like I have this new boyfriend and we were sharing some experiences from our past and like one of the, how did it even come up with your wrist when Oh, when we were talking about how I broke my wrist. Yeah. Oh, because we were talking about, because we're going skiing tomorrow mm -hmm. and it came up because you were like, oh yeah, I've just mostly fallen my hands and like my wrist is already, you know, messed up from breaking it previously. (laughs) And so you were sharing that story with Sky and just like reflecting back on all of the crazy stuff that we used to do. It's, it almost doesn't feel real because I kind of think about like, how did we do this being fourteen, fifteen, sixteen years old where we would somehow get a whole bottle or a handle
0: of Captain Morgan and like Dude. run around the park with it. And it was crazy. I mean, we would have like rolling parties. Yeah. I was, I was literally 14 my freshman year of high school. And we were, I did ecstasy before I started smoking weed. Like that it was the dynamic of the high school that we went to. Yeah.
1: You were, I feel like the, our, the dynamic of our high school was so weird. You were either like really poor or you were like rich. There was really yeah. no in between. Mm-hmm. And I, feel like that caused a lot of chaos but then like at that time I, there's where like this huge like in increase of like drug use came from
0: yeah no definitely i mean the pill the ecstasy pill craze was like popping for sure i feel like it really like it really hit the scene that and like chronic that was like uh. the first time <laughs> you would hear of like weed being good it was like you had to get chronic what was the <clears throat> name of it if it wasn't chronic it was like- reggie <laughs> (laughs) It had like seeds. Yeah, (laughs) it was like
1: Mexican dirt weed. It was so bad. But at that time, like, I mean, that was good for what we could get half the time. We were like literally like trying to, you know, walking down the street. Do you have a dollar?
0: Trying to get weed money together. Oh my God. (laughs) You know, it's like, I feel like I forget some of these things or like block them out of my memory. To like, we would panhandle all the time. All the time. In front of Circle K. I remember I used to my dear dad I used to steal quarters from my dad's change jar to buy them to use for ecstasy and then once we got into that whole ecstasy thing we started doing the rave and the rave scene yeah I literally remember that like I got free lunches at school because my mom signed me up for like the free lunch, like government program because we were poor. And when I moved with my dad, he didn't know that I got free lunches. So he would give me $3 a day to pay for lunch and I would save that to buy drugs to go to the rave on the weekend.
1: That's what I used to do with my dad because he would give me a couple dollars for pizza at school and, you know, probably wouldn't eat. Or if I did, I would just save lunches from previous days. Uh, my mom would give me money usually for like makeup, and I would just spend it on ecstasy on the weekends it's, instead.
0: It's fucking crazy. Yeah, we made it work though. But Ooh. I think uh, looking
1: back on it, it opened up our eyes in a t- in a way that like allowed us to not make a lot of the mistakes that people make when they start utilizing drugs when they're older. You know, we we were really, like, opened up to a lot of things back then, how to be responsible, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And there's a lot of, like, good takeaways from it.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Like, in hindsight, it's like, we were definitely doing fucking fucked up crazy shit, but I think we also had friends that we surrounded ourselves with that kind of took those things to the next level. Oh, yeah. So we were kind of, like, in that middle position where we're, like, we want to have fun and we want to have experiences, like, as any teenager, crazy teenager does. Yeah. But, like, we also saw, like, the dark side of that, of people who, like, got caught up in doing, like, really sketchy illegal shit. I mean, drugs are illegal, obviously, but, like, raids and burglaries and stealing alcohol and beer runs and, you know, fighting and all that shit.
1: Yeah, I totally forgot about, do do you remember when we used to have fight club and the police literally said that we were allowed to have fight club as long as we had gloves to do it? Yeah,
0: we, that would be Friday fight club. Yeah, we would literally, we put on this fight club at this kid Jeremy's house because his parents, I'm pretty sure his parents were drug addicts, so they didn't really have like the emotional capacity to like make proper decisions, but we would literally, and all of these people that we knew, if you had beef with someone, that you could just settle it in Fight Club. Everyone's <laughs> like, oh, well, if we fight at school, we're going to get in trouble. So, like, we'll just see you Fight Club Friday. We'll just see you on Friday at Fight Club. Yeah. I remember, like, and then at one point, the police were, like, coming around and trying to, like, shut it down and shit. Yeah, Dude, but that was wild. They never
1: ended up shutting it down, I don't think. Do you remember that one fight, though, with Chris Farone? And I can't remember who he was fighting, but it was like one punch, and he like knocked this kid's teeth out. Hit the floor. Yeah, he
0: he was wild. Rest in peace, Chris. Yeah, that he that was recent though, right? Yeah, that he passed away. I don't know what the story was, but he was like he could have been like a professional for sure. I've seen some crazy shit from him. Like that shit was wild, dude. We were so ghetto. Like I. The whitest ghetto kids, you know. <laughs> Dude, you can take the girl out of the hood, but you can't. You can't take the hood out of the girl. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> I think reflecting back to the very small amount of relationships that I even had in high school during that time, when everything, you know, was pretty crazy with like the drug use and you know doing things we shouldn't probably have been doing mm-hmm. as teenagers. The I would say the first person I ever fell in love with was this this guy Micah.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, we're using names.
1: Yeah, we're gonna use some names. Okay,
0: call them out. Sis. We're
1: gonna use some names. I think the reasoning why the name is so important is that while things were very toxic and honestly really traumatically changed my life and how I would view relationships or handle relationships, mm-hmm. it's still he was still like a really key person in in my life at yeah. that time. To also like he he impacted my relationships to this day because. While everything was extremely traumatic, I, there was a lot of things that I wish that I hadn't gone through with him. It made me realize that th- those are the things I do not want or will not put up with in my relationships nowadays. And that's also why I've like set these like really high standards because when you've really like lived through some very traumatic things with somebody, you, you have to like look at it from two different perspectives am I going to allow these things or am I going to set this stand where the, where this is not okay. Right. And that's where I really, I really take a lot because he was this person that i truly felt like I had this connection with like a really good friend that I could tell all these different things with. I was allowed to be myself with him. But at the same time, like our relationship was built off of a lot of drug use, mm-hmm. a lot of lies and a lot of manipulation. And it sucks that I had to experience this, this love like this But in a way it, it did again, open my eyes to kind of like my ignorance at the time of being so young that you really don't know what you don't know until you live through it.
0: Yeah, no, that's such a great point. And I think being able to like use that insight and kind of look back at those situations like definitely helps kind of guide you through, like, other relationships as you move forward. So what would you say, like, in that, like, young love relationship? I mean, obviously, we've all been there as kids in high school. It's like we feel like this is our first love, quote-unquote. So Mm. how would you say, like, that, like, what would you say that relationship was like if you can just, like, ballpark it? Like, what what was that love in your relationship? Yeah, it's...
1: I think it, it it came from a level where you, I think for myself, I felt like I could, I had a lot, an opportunity to be a little bit more than just like who I thought I could be, but who I wanted to be. Um, I was able to have like all this fun and share these secrets and have all these laughs with somebody and explore a little bit more of life that I hadn't really experienced yet as a teenager, Mm -hmm. um, you know, going off and, just, you know, looking at the stars or just really being able to, like, share, like, my fears with somebody or truly be able to, like, sit there with somebody and just feel, like, this deep connection that it's not, like, a something that you can, like, physically, like, communicate to somebody, but almost, like, when you just,
0: like, hug somebody. You can feel the energy.
1: Yeah, and yeah. that's what I felt from him. And I think that that's also what made it so hard when things really got bad because I had, had felt on this, like, different level with this person that you know it, it it when you think about like your best friend like that's who this person was to me like mm-hmm. this person was going to be there for me and we were going to do all these fun things and experience these different things in life together and i think also this this what i didn't realize back then but now i've been able to look back on you know, some key things that can lead to like, is this a serious or more of a, like a manipulative relationship is the way that they promise things to you. Right. So there's, there's things that really, truly move people. And that the biggest thing that moves somebody is like holding on to
0: hope. I, yes.
1: And that's a lot of like what I had gotten from him in that relationship. And I think also because we were so wrapped up in a lot of this drug use, especially utilizing ecstasy. Yeah. You And if if you've done the drug before, you will understand it's so hard to explain that you feel this like different type of connection. The world looks different. The world feels different. There's such a different type of beauty and love just feels so much more like this energy. Right. It's like more
0: acceptable. You like understand it more. You feel like more bonded.
1: Yeah. Vulnerable. I think that's truly what that drug does is Mm -hmm. it allows you to reach this like state of vulnerability. And that's like what a lot of our relationships was on was doing ecstasy together so once it started getting really bad and I truly started to see like what kind of person that he was pathological liar manipulative I mean he beat the crap out of his mom to the point where she couldn't even open her eyes because her head was so swollen oh my god and he had lied to me about it he would get all go off and get drunk and then like get stranded somewhere and like lie to me about it he cheated on me and so the, just a lot of that came... There was just, like, two sides to that person, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it was really, really tough to see those things. But when I look back to that, it really, like... Opens my eyes to what I am I will accept and allow to be acceptable nowadays. So, like, if I start to see those little red flags, I ask more about it. You know, I keep my guard up a little bit more. And I know that, like, you can't just, like, hold on to, like, a promise. It has to be something that actually is, like, showcased. You know, like, actions. Right. right.
0: Like, you have to, listen, to the, or listen for or look for their actions instead of listening to their words. Right. I love that you, like, brought up the whole hope aspect because... I feel like I've been in a multitude of toxic relationships and I think like that is literally the hardest part about them is that you fall in love with this person that you think is... You know, a certain type of way, but realistically, you fall in love with them in this short amount of time because they're showing you like this. They're holding on to this facade of like who they want to be yeah. until they hook you, and then they hook you, and then they, you know, it. Someone can only play pretend for so long, right? And sometimes that's a month, sometimes it's three months, sometimes it's six, sometimes it's a year. You know, it's like you never truly know. But I think it slowly these things start to happen where like. And they start, like, picking you apart by, like, um, your actions, like, what you're wearing, like, that you want to, like, see your friends, you're hanging out with your friends too much, or, um, you know, they start to, like, not like them, and they slowly start to, like, deteriorate these things about your life. And for me, it's, it's just the irony is so interesting, because you said the same thing, you hold on to that hope. When I was with my son's dad, I literally I literally was pregnant with him and we had not a great relationship at all Mm -hmm. and I mean you know but I'm not going to go into like huge detail Um, I was pregnant and in a relationship that I didn't want to be in but I was so afraid of being a single mother like I was more afraid of being a single mom than I was of like truly being happy and alone and so that kept me in this bubble of this toxic relationship with my son's dad And to the point where, like, I thought I loved him for X, Y, Z in the beginning of the relationship. And I got hooked on to that hope being like, well, it was this way. Maybe, again, it'll be that way. Like, we're having a baby together. Things can change. To the point where, like, if I had a girl, I wanted to name her Hope. That was literally my thought process behind the whole thing and I remember telling him like if we have a girl I want her name to be hope because it like seriously meant the word meant so much to me that I was like I hope that this baby will continue to like or will give me the guy that I thought I had in the beginning yeah because it was so good you know yeah
1: and that's also a part about like relationships too is you don't truly know somebody for the first usually 3 months. I think
0: it's the first year.
1: Yeah, I I could definitely see that especially with people who have those certain personality traits where they can um hide things a lot yeah. easier, reactions, the mm-hmm. words they say, their emotions. Yeah. Um because like if they have this goal, they can always like hide those things in this box. Yeah until you know things progress and they usually I think it's once they feel like they've got you into this hooked phase then that's when that true self comes from out yeah
0: yeah but most there are a lot of guys they can't hold it for that long so I understand why you're saying like three months because it's like seems like just enough time to keep someone around a little longer you know yeah but I mean I'd say I'm in like I'm literally in the most healthy relationship of my life right now. And we've been together for like three years. And for the first two years, we didn't even have an argument, which is wild. Like that almost seems like unrealistic, you know, like how do you not have an argument with someone for two years? But it's like, you know, after that, like, and I'm not saying by any means the guy that I'm with is a bad guy, but it's still like, I think he had his fears that he tried to Withhold from the relationship. And that's why we didn't argue. Yeah. But then if you're trying to withhold things from the relationship, they end up finding their way back in hundred percent, you know, so it's still, it's like a similar concept, but it's different, you know, yeah. where it's like, you know, then we were able to have more and like open our, you know, the context of our relationship in a healthy way. Once some of those things started to like come back around. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
1: Right. And I think you said something really interesting too, because you mentioned like you guys had never had an argument for the first two years, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Well, I, somebody made a comment the other day, and they're like, just because you have arguments doesn't mean that you can't have a progressive conversation. Well... I could agree but disagree in that same standpoint because, like, an argument usually tends to have, like, more, like, heated negative emotions tied to it. Yeah. You can have progressive... A disagreement. Com- exactly. Yeah. So, like, argument versus, like, a disagreement, they're they're completely separate yeah. in how they're handled, how the emotions are given. Yeah. And I think when you think about an argument, typically when an argument is had neither side is actually listening to the other right they're just trying to get their point across hoping that that other person gets it but when you're having like an open disagreement in that state right because we can agree to disagree Mm -hmm. it's a great statement because it's true you don't always have to have the same agreement right it's always it's about understanding what that person is saying no i
0: love that you brought this up and i think i should refrain like we i don't really think it, to the point, the story that I was saying, we didn't have an argument. It was more of a disagreement, right and that's what star- like what started the whole opening of the relationship, it being more healthy. So I literally love what you said because I think most people, when they're having arguments or disagreements, they're listening to respond or they're listening to react. They're not listening to respond.
1: Well, so. Would it be more of a listening to understand versus listening to respond? Because when you're listening to respond, you're not actually listening to what that person's saying. Yes,
0: exactly. I've learned a lot in this last year because through some of the stuff that me and my, my boyfriend have been through, we decided like we should do couples therapy. And like, I've never done, I think I've talked about this once before on the show that we were in therapy and Um, I've never done like therapy in general, but I am like an open book. So it's not hard for me to talk about like my feelings and emotions. So I was definitely interested. I mean, this is like a person that I love. And like, I think what we had come to in this like last difficult year was like, we, even though we're so good together, we have failed in some point to have, um, constructive communication because of our past relationships, because we both have like past trauma and we're affected in different ways. And that we, and when we're together, we like to have fun. So it's like, it's easy to just have fun and like not think about the hard stuff, Mm -hmm. but realistically it just keeps coming to like bite you in the butt. So the number, like the first thing they teach you in therapy, which is, is so common to like the conversation that we're having about listening to understand and not uh, react is you talk to someone in I statements it's I feel when you so you because when you make the conversation about yourself and your feelings it doesn't signify the um what's the word it it doesn't tell the other person to be defensive because you're not looking at them being like, you did this. You, when you say this, you do that, blah, blah, blah. When you talk to someone like that, it's automatic defense mode. So literally the first thing we learned is like, I feel when you like, it hurts my feelings when you say th- when you respond in this way. Yeah. And when you start talking to people like that it completely changes the narrative of the conversation because you're coming from a place like you said of understanding mm-hmm. and you're not, you know, you're not leaving room for someone to be defensive.
1: Right. What you're doing is you're putting yourself in like this offensive position to because I think as humans every single person, whenever we feel attacked, yeah, we all automatically put a defense up. You want explain yourself. Exactly. Even if there was no fault, even if that's not what the true intentions was, but like how you like phrase things can change the perspective and change the reaction and also change the willingness for somebody to understand and listen.
0: 100%. But it's crazy because like going back to like how we started the conversation of like, we've learned these things from our past relationships. And I know me and you, we've both grown from look, being able to look back at those past relationships with guys, with friends, like as adults to be like, okay, I can see how this went wrong. So how do we correct that like in the future? You know?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And you'd even touched on something too. When, you, when we, as humans, we have like our fight or flight, right? But also our brains are programmed to take in memories and learn from them experiences, right? That's how we adapt our personalities. That's how we adapt like our strategy thinking. And so when we were talking about how, um, you know, we wouldn't say something to our significant other because of like past relationships and how those people would respond. Mm -hmm. Like those are when we let our traumas actually determine our future versus like, okay, this is how people have, done these things in the past. Yeah. If I just communicate how I feel, if they continue to act like this, this probably isn't the person for me.
0: Yeah. Well, I and mean, I think it's so hard too, because when you're coming from a to- such a toxic relationship, you do look back, like you're gauging the whole rest of the outlook of the conversation on what happened to you in the past, yeah. even if the partner that you're with has never shown those qualities. 100% because we
1: learn as humans
0: yeah. From our past experiences. Right. So you're, it's already like, it's uncomfortable to talk about something that made you upset because in the past, for example, like anytime you thought it, like told someone that you're upset about someone, they gaslight you and they're like, oh, well, you're crazy. That never happened. Or they try to manipulate you by, you know, saying this, that, or the other.
1: Right. A hundred percent. And so like, even with my current relationship that I have, um, When certain things previously, whether it be my intimate relationships, my family relationships, or even my regular friendships, I was so trained because of my previous experiences that if I felt some way I wouldn't even say anything because it was always in my head, like, they're not going to care. It's yeah. not going to matter. Yeah. But with this new relationship, I had to reflect on a lot of, like, how I dealt with my past relationships because of those traumas mm-hmm. and have to say, think to myself, like, I don't want to be like that. And if I continue to approach my relationships like that, I'm never going to progress. So with my new relationship, it was one of those things where, okay, I'm going to keep these, these experiences in the back of my head, but I can't let them dictate and stop my new relationships from continuing. So now I'm like, I have to say something, even if it makes me anxious on like how they're going to react.
0: Right. It's crazy. Like once I first got into the relationship that I'm in, I had similar experiences where I was like, Well, I don't wanna say this, I don't wanna say that because he's gonna like make me feel less than or he's gonna get mad or he's gonna lash out. And then it almost like, even if it was something that he did that made me annoyed or upset and I'm just like wow like if I say that it's just gonna be turned back on me like I'm the crazy one I'm the crazy girlfriend you know like that was like the narrative in my head even though I literally don't do anything that's crazy I mean I have my moments but it's like fun crazy you know we talked about I talked about that once before in another episode (laughs) (laughs) in the beginning but um yeah it was wild and it's almost like you know what's like the worst or not the worst but like just is it irony I'm not sure just the weirdest thing that happens when you get when you leave a toxic relationship and get into a healthy one you're like there are these moments where you're like mad about something and you tell them like that it makes you upset and then they're just like okay well like what can I do to you know progress like to make that not happen this time or is there anything else I could be doing to make you feel more comfortable and then you look at them, and you're like, "Can't you wait, just be angry? Can you just fucking yell at me? Like, I played this whole story in my head for like two days on what I was gonna say when you started yelling at me, and now you just you just are asking me what I need. You're just gonna
1: admit fault and be accountable. What?
0: Yet? It's a tr- it's a fucking trip, though, because it's I feel like a lot of women can relate that. With, I mean,
1: men can relate too, and yeah, oh
0: and I think men can relate too, but. It's, like, not something, like, if you've always been in something toxic, it's not something you're used to. So you're, like, putting yourself in this fight-or-flight moment where you're, like, well, how am I going to respond? What am I going to say? What if they say this? This is what I'm going to say. And it's going to be defensive, and we're going to argue. And then they hit you with, like, something so soft and sweet, and you're, like, well, wait. Like, I'm, like, my heart rate is at, like, 150 BPMs (laughs) right now. Like, I'm ready to argue, and you're just okay? Like, I, like... Okay, that's not what I was expecting, but um yeah, that sounds great. Maybe I should think about that and make a list.
1: <laughs> but it's so nice when you start to have relationships, not even just, you know, intimate relationships, but mm-hmm. even friendships that are in that same aspect where the person that you're working with is understanding Mm -hmm. and I realistically puts themselves in your shoes or they can really reflect on like what they did and how it did impact you. Even if that wasn't their intentions, Mm -hmm. it's all about, we're humans, right? We make mistakes. And I think that's all that we need to always go into every, uh, action with and listen in, in with good intent. Like, Hey, I made a mistake, but how can I learn or grow from this?
0: Right. No, I like that. And I think especially for, like, female relationships, friendships, I think that's, like, a huge thing is... Are you, are you okay over there?
1: Yeah, sorry. My head's a little small. It was pulling off my
0: head that side. But I think the the women-female relationships are the most difficult because I think, like, you know, in general, I think women like to talk. We like to gossip. There's, like, things that make us upset that we don't necessarily talk about to all of our friends or, like or have like the time or the right place to like rely, relay on some of these concerns that we have with our friends. And like, I think a lot of times that can build up resentment. And I think we know the best on like, I think our friendship has been, it has just flourished so much because of all the shit we've gone through.
1: Yeah. You know, hasn't, it it hasn't been perfect. And I, I think that that's okay yeah um we we've learned as humans and I think that's also like what's actually made our relationship stronger too is and I mean I' I'll admit I've definitely not been perfect through I'm, a lot of it.
0: Yeah, that's really nice of you to say. I feel like there can't be to it's equal, you know it's like I'm I' haven't been perfect either, but I think what I love so much about like our friendship is like, like you said we're both understanding and trying to put each other in one another's shoes because we want our the friendship to work yeah you know but it like sometimes that takes time right and
1: my impatient ass doesn't want to wait but you know <laughs>
0: So I didn't think we were going to talk about this at all, but I would I would love to touch on it if you want to cuz I think it could be really beneficial for a lot of other girls yeah. that have girlfriends. Let's do so it. we don't have to go like completely in depth, but to make a long story short, me and Rhiannon were friends for about 10 years and we lived together at one point and it was really like a make it or break it experience. We both had a lot going on when we were living together. And we definitely had a lot of drama due to not being able to properly communicate. And I think if, I mean, I think I can say we both deal with like our emotions in a passive aggressive way, which actually took me a long time to realize that I was that way. Because I don't think it was, for me, I don't think it was very like in your face passive aggressive, but it was more like little passive aggressive comments that could have been made in my understanding of myself, you know. Yeah. And I and I think we had we had this big blow up in around our 10 years of being friends, right?
1: Yeah, I would say maybe a little cuz why? I think it was more into maybe late 2020, early 2021.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's true. And I, you know, it for me I mean, I don't know. It's such a weird thing to. It's like a weird thing to discuss. What do you, do you have? Anything you you want to say to start the conversation?
1: Yeah. So I think let's take it kind of back to what some of the things that we talked about in the previous part of our conversation when when you grow up, there's a lot of traumas that you pick up from, you know, just being a person, childhood
0: relationships,
1: being your family, friendships, dating,
0: those kind of shape the way you deal with other circumstances as you grow as a person.
1: Yeah. And so how
0: I deal with, dealt with
1: things as a Mm -hmm. person because of, a lot of the trauma taking it back to again, like I never felt like people cared a lot of the times, if I would say something, um, it, I, I came to this, this, um, way that I would deal with things is I had to process them by myself for a long time because at a point in my life, I didn't feel like I had a lot of like support or people, even though I had tons of friends, I'm very social, very lively, very active in the communities. And I just, I just didn't feel like I had those connections, so I always felt very alone. So I processed a lot of my emotions and very traumatic experiences by myself. Mm-hmm. So whenever like something happened, specifically like in our like, our friendship. I had to be by myself. Right. And so we dealt with those experiences different
0: because... I was 100% the opposite. Yeah. So for me, it was really difficult because if something happened, I'm like immediately want to talk about it. If I didn't talk about it and there was distance created, it would make me so anxious to the point that I was like always thinking about it, always wanting to have a conversation. But because... Because you were distant and I wanted to talk, it almost created this like war zone yeah. of like you felt like you needed space, but I wasn't made and I'm speaking openly, so correct me if I'm wrong. I, maybe you didn't feel like I was giving you the space. And mm-hmm. then that obviously that caused some more like turmoil. Yes. And then it would kind of turn into a very like non-functional yeah. conversation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it made it almost harder to communicate because... again we're humans we do a lot more things that are emotionally driven than they are logically driven and so when emotions take over that's when things can get more chaotic and Mm -hmm. especially because again we were going through a lot of traumatic things at those time frames just
0: in regular life not even like with friendship but yeah right
1: yeah and so because of like how we process and because there was a not that there wasn't communication it was just the communication wasn't given in a way that we both were understanding we weren't
0: able to receive it in the same way that we needed it
1: yeah exactly yeah. but um I, you know we took some time apart i did a lot of self reflecting and changing and took a lot of like i don't want to be this person for myself to understand mm-hmm. and get to this point point. and i had to do a lot of apologizing and again changing from my behaviors and i think that we've come to a really great pers- uh balance of yeah what we couldn't deal with in the past. Yeah.
0: It was hard. You know, I think when you're going, no one ever talks about like friendship breakups and like someone that's been such a main part of your life that you go to, you know, for fun, for guidance, for conversation, for laughter. Like, you know, like you're literally like your best friend. You have all of these like memories with this person. And then you go through this like friendship breakup where it's like, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's traumatic in its own. Cause it's like, you're having to like mourn a person that never died, Yeah, you know? And I think for me, like on the other side of it, it, you know, it had taken so much for me. And I think my big thing was because of the lack of communication in our friendship. I don't feel, I, I think I felt like I was always a bad friend so then I wanted to like portray more to be like well what can I do but I think in that sense of me trying to like push and give more for someone like you that you felt like you needed to deal with these on like these things on your own like almost an avoidant attachment style it was like almost overwhelming like I told this person I needed space she's not giving me the space type of thing so that's what created the conflict. And that's how I've worked it around in my brain, you know? And I think for me, because I, like, it was hard for me to understand, like, what was really going on, like, in your head from, like, your shoes and your perspective, that... Like, it was hard for me to set boundaries for myself and for our friendship. So, like, I was trying to give, 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 but not setting boundaries on maybe, like, what I deserved as a friend. And I think when everything really, like, blew up, it was, like, I really was to the point where I was like, dude, no. Like, these things, like, it's not fair to this and to our friendship, you know?
1: Yeah, we all have different needs and what we expect. And I think that's okay to have different... Expectations and needs just, yeah. we just we just have to communicate them in a way
0: but when they're not being communicated that's when like this like, the blow up the friendship breakup happens and like like I said I feel like these things aren't talked about enough you know it's like especially for women like yeah. people are like you just get bitter you get resentful like you talk about it with your other friends but you don't have those like most two friends aren't willing to have that genuine conversation of like, what could we both be doing better to like make this friendship work? Because I love you and I don't see, foresee like my life without you as my friend in it, you know?
1: And that's, like the toughest fucking thing you can do it's so
0: hard okay first of all I just want to say like I did not think we were gonna be this deep but I kind of love it like I think I really do think so many people are gonna relate with everything we're saying but it is it's so hard and we weren't friends for like two years yeah, had, like no no communication for 2 years.
1: No. I think it's I think what made it tough is because we all have like very similar friends. Right. So we would always see each other out, but we'd be be cordial and, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, I think like in those scenarios if you have those friendship breakups, like we could do a whole fucking episode on this. But like I think like if you genuinely love the person and want that person to be in your life, like you can't come at it in a way where you are going to create more drama. You have to strictly come at it from not an emotional stance. It has to be just love. Like, yeah. you know, this, I I want this person to be my friend. Eventually we're going to be friends. And if I see them, I'm not going to change who I am just because we're arguing. And I think that was like the biggest, like, the biggest thing in our friendship. It's like, I knew we weren't not ever gonna be friends again. Like, I was just like, you know, there were some things that I needed to do for myself. There were things you needed to do for yourself. And I'm like, there's gonna be a point in time where we mend this and things are gonna continue on like nothing happened, you know? But now, so I wanna fast forward because we're like so deep into that combo. (laughs) Hold on, I'm gonna take a sip of water. (laughs) Sip break. But now I feel like I think it's like helped us and shaped our friendship in so many ways because we've we've endured conflicting conversations since we've beca- like been back and hanging out and doing all the friend things and we have handled it in like, such an appropriate adult way it's crazy you like complete like zero to a hundred there's no like not talking there's no pushing the conversation it's more like I think this came off wrong I you know I I don't think we should have a text conversation like do you have time later so we can talk about it like I'd love to talk to you on the phone and even those phone conversations are like okay like this was not my intention, but I can understand why you feel this way. Like that it's literally been, just, it's like night and day. It's insane to me.
1: And I, that's the one thing that you have to really do when approaching all, I think, um, not just like relationships, but all situations is yeah. truly like, adm- you know, recognizing whatever happened. Hey, you know, you might've felt this way
0: mm-hmm.
1: and admitting maybe like this wasn't your intention or her. This is what I was meaning to do, but it's always about like acknowledging how that person felt.
0: Yes. Yes. And like, like not being defensive and trying to understand why the why, like what made the conversation uncomfortable for both people? What was the why? Why do you feel the way you feel? (coughs) Excuse me and getting that person to understand why you felt that way. But it really takes two people. It takes two people wanting to make it work and really like being open to being uncomfortable and understanding the person from their perspective.
1: And a big takeaway too, because a lot of people go into conversations, especially like disagreements or arguments, Mm. right? As a oh, I was wrong, or they're wrong, or I'm right, or they're right. It's not about being wrong or right. Because maybe in the end, neither of you are wrong. Neither of you are right. It's again about understanding. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I think that's a huge point. It's literally, I feel like you can, if there's a disagreement, I feel like both parties can always apologize for something they said that was wrong. Because you think of it, and it's like, And like you said, it's not about being right or wrong. It's about the understanding. But like when two people have two different point of views, you get heated about that. Like sometimes you get into your emotions Mm -hmm. and you say things that you don't mean or that are taken the wrong way. Like I think a part of like coming to this understanding is being able to admit that you're not right. You know, and it's not even about like saying, sorry, it's about just being like, okay, like maybe I did say something that had made you feel this way. Yeah. Or maybe that was passive aggressive or maybe it was defensive or it's really about being self-aware and like understanding both sides. Cause there's always two sides to every story. I mean, two people are going to
1: three sides. Yeah. Your side, their side and the the truth.
0: truth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that's great. It is. You gotta listen you want to be a decent person, you got to be a decent person, okay? (laughs) You can't just be all up in your own shit all the time.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a a lot of people that I have come into, you know, contact, I guess. I could put it in that perspective that I choose to not allow them into my life because I can see that they can't even be somewhat accountable for how they've made others feel.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. Once I think once you break through that mold of like being able to under, understand yourself, being self-aware, under like being able to sit there and be like, "You know what? Maybe I was wrong. Maybe that thing that I said was hurtful. hurtful, or maybe it was a little mean, or... taken the wrong way. Even though it wasn't your intention, maybe that that's how it made someone else feel. It's about having that self awareness to be like, now you can take that into like these other friendships or people that you meet, and you start seeing people for who they actually are, not like the facade that they're like trying to present to other people. Mm-hmm. It's pretty crazy. Like y'all need to be in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's helped me a lot. Like, even though it was it was couples therapy, I feel like I learned so much about myself. And the big question is just continuing to ask yourself questions about, like, why? Why do you feel that way? Yeah. You know, why is this making you upset? What's it, triggering it? Yeah. Like, is it because, really because of what they said? Or is there something else that happened to you in a different time frame or circumstance that you're Triggered the emotion yeah reactions it's fucking wild dude life is a trip
1: it really is I, but once you understand like how humans work and how we operate it life definitely becomes easier and mm-hmm. relationships relationships become easier and they don't feel as draining yeah. especially when something doesn't go in the direction that you might expect it to.
0: And when you have boundaries and the self-awareness to understand, like, I don't have to put my energy into this conversation or into this person or, you know, into the discussion that's being held. hmm Yeah. Dude, okay, I literally thought we were going to talk shit about guys the whole time, so... <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, this was, it was fun. It was more of a real no, which is, like, a great, I feel like it's, like, a great real perspective, like, conversation between two people, you know? And I hope, like, it had a lot of insight and people feel the same way and everyone can take something from this. I think we hit a couple of really good topics about just friendship and relationships and how they affect you, like, as a young adult. How to handle
1: past trauma, how to look forward from whatever had happened in your life
0: yeah yeah um on this deep ass note we're gonna leave you guys to reflect um write some notes in your journal and (laughs) come back next week for I don't know what's gonna happen but I guess we'll see um if Rhiannon do you want followers you want people to follow you you want to plug your Instagram (laughs) Hey, let's do it. So if
1: you want to follow me and, you know, explore a little bit more of my life. Yes. um, My handle on Instagram is going to be underscore bad girl, Riri, girl, G-U-R-L and Riri, R-H-I-R-H-I.
0: Yeah. So you can follow her on Instagram. She's really hilariously funny political jokes spongebob jokes the whole anywhere in between (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah i hope you guys like the episode and we'll just leave you with that until next time we'll see ya you want to say bye bye (laughs) are you still talking girl stop talking